right, welcome to Growing Together, a podcast of Central Presbyterian Church. This podcast is about learning to grow together as a family united to Jesus. So, in many ways, this podcast is not unlike being at a family dinner table, around a fire, or any other places families gather. So, welcome. Take a seat, and let's get going. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Growing Together. Uh, We're excited to explore what makes Central, well, Central. I'm Cole Lesher, and I'm the pastor of college and young adults. And with me here is Matt Woodson, assistant director of student ministries and director of all things beard. Hello, Matthew. Hello. Yeah. Today, uh, we have with us Taylor Bruce, director of student ministries, and Ari Dayub, student ministry coordinator. Hello, Ari and Taylor. Hey. hey that was super exciting thanks for that um i think they're excited to be here with us if not matt is and i guess um you're making us look bad guys guys seriously right. we're all, it's like episode five i don't know the level of fire that you guys want me to come in right now so much. coming in hot any minio anyways yeah. i want you get to be super nova right now <laughs> Well, thanks for coming and hanging out with us today, and hopefully uh, we get something done. Thanks for being here. Matt, take it away. All right. I have the privilege right now of actually being with three quarters of my team. I think I worded that right. Uh, Both me, Taylor, and Ari are on the student ministry team, so I'm going to go ahead and hijack this, and... We're going to go ahead and start off with a few questions about what Student Ministries is all about, specifically what it was like whenever we were in Student Ministries. So what were you like in youth group? More specifically, what was your musical taste like? And I know that I'm asking you a super vulnerable question, so I'm going to go ahead and go first. I was super into emo music, so Dashboard Confessional was my jam. I was all about that emo life. Fortunately, I'm not able to experience that anymore because, you know, the emo bangs, probably a lot of people don't understand what that means unless you are a millennial right now, but the really long bangs can't pull that off right now because my hairline is receding but uh (laughs) but i love that music you know super angsty emotional music i was all about that didn't quite get into under oath but i know that a bunch of my youth group friends loved that because they're like "Ah, they're vaguely christian right now but they were screamo which i also was a part of a screamo (laughs) band in high school so if you want to check out Dear Viola, go ahead and uh, that'll be really fun right there. The links for that will be in the show notes. Um. Noting this down right now. But can we play an excerpt on this podcast? Okay, I legitimately would, but all of our music was about on MySpace and MySpace has completely changed and changed all of their backend stuff, so... The music player kind of works sometimes and sometimes doesn't. Unfortunately, fortunately, can't play that. Pretty prolonged discussion there. (laughs) Yeah, sweet Viola. 
You, no, you, dear Viola. Oh, sorry. Come on. Correction. Come on, come on. Dear Viola, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about music, huh? I. So we're talking middle school. I was rap. That was it. Uh, that was what I did. In high school, when I became a Christian, I had to pretend I didn't have any more rap music because it was not okay to have any more because I was now a Christian. So I don't know if any of you had to give away your Eminem CDs, but that was a real life story for me. Oh, by giveaway, I mean, just put it <laughs> under my bed. But yeah, that was pretty much mine. I was into rap. When I was in middle school, I like thought I was a DJ. So I thought it was super cool. I, I was not. Uh, just I wasn't. Yeah, I've tried to play a thousand instruments. I've never been in a band. I'm not as cool as Matt. I like music. How many of us are? <laughs> You're Viola. I mean. <laughs> um, for some reason, I got into Run DMC for a little bit. So for some reason? <laughs> well, great. I don't know how it came about. And I think also being from California, Tupac was naturally just in those playlists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But as a middle schooler, I had mentioned this to you guys earlier, my parents wouldn't let me listen to anything outside of Christian music. And there was this one song that came on. And my mom thought it reminded her of her relationship with the Lord. And so I would just look for music like that to try and introduce non-Christian music into our household and pave the way for my younger siblings to uh, be able to listen to stuff outside of Christian music. It was really being a martyr in that moment, you know. Life. <laughs> yeah, for me, when I was in middle school, I was really into uh, Creed. Ooh. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Can you take me higher? Yeah, that's right. Because they were vaguely Christian. And that was kind of the thing in my household, too, was like it had to be Christian music. And then so in high school, I would go through this cycle every year. Like I would come home from camp and I would sell all of my CDs back to the local record store. And then over the course of the year, I would slowly let other things kind of come in that weren't Christian at all. And then I would go through the same cycle. But in high school, that's when new metal came out. Mm -hmm. So like... Lincoln Park and all that. So I was in my angsty teenage years. That's what I, I would listen to. I did listen to Screamo quite a bit, actually. That was, yeah, that was kind of my jam. And I always make fun of my wife because she said that her favorite band was Corn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> far, far from the truth. But I actually did like Corn. <laughs> that was like a big, like, the parents can't know about that one. Um, that was my, and although I did discover that there was a point where like Ari kind of in the same way you were talking about how like you were trying to like slip in like music that your mom might like. I discovered that my dad enjoyed classic rock. Oh, okay, here's some like non-Christian music that's decent that we could maybe yeah. listen to. So I got into like Pink Floyd for a bit there, even though I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I don't think anyone has any Neither idea what Pink well, Floyd yeah. is talking about. <laughs> I tried to watch the movie The Wall one time, and I was like, what are they smoking? <laughs> what is happening here? I think it was, they're just British. I mean, that was, that was the problem. Yeah. Well, I think because my dad grew up with old school gangster rap and oldies, we would get glimpses of those. And so I always kind of felt like, wait, but you still listen to this stuff. How come we can't listen? But like, you know, we knew it when he would listen to it or jam or something. Hmm. <laughs> I'm at the point now where I'm buying records. I got a record player for my birthday and I have all these records I want to buy, but like, I can't listen to them with the family. So it's like, I guess I'm just not going to listen to those anymore, <laughs> at least on record. So anyways, 
So I feel like we've uh, actually probably got a pretty good idea of who all of us are, simply from our music standpoint. So yeah, I just want to transition into talking about what the pandemic is like right now and how that has just changed our lives, changed our kids' lives. How has uh, the pandemic changed youth ministry right now for you guys? I'm new even still. So that's even part of it. Trying to like jump into this position in the middle of a pandemic has made it really weird in a sense. It's strange because you came in to yeah. our ministry during the pandemic. And there's like a whole group of kids I feel like that I haven't even met. So yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of that it just feels weird. And just in the, the general sense that like high fives, I really miss high fives. I think that's real weird. Yep. <laughs> well, what was it? Uh, I, I think you said something at the beginning of the pandemic. It's like I had no idea how much I loved touching my face until people started telling yeah. me that I couldn't. Yeah, I didn't know how much I actually touched my face during the day, but apparently that was my wife would be like, "Stop it!" I'm like, I, I didn't know I was doing it. <laughs> so. Legitimately, the other day I left the store. And I went to rub chapstick on my lips. Like it was one of those that you have to dip your finger and then rub your lips. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> For some reason, my thought was, I'll just put sanitizer on my lips. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> we're just going to pray over this situation. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I think that youth ministry in general is like, there's so many different components of it. There's teaching and there's music. But then just trying to figure out how to play nine square, it's this really unique challenge. I mean, maybe it's just because that's what I do that is very different from the rest of ministry that we're kind of having to figure out. Yeah. I feel like too, like the even having to pivot digitally sometimes, kids are already doing that so much of the day that it's, I don't want to ask them to do it more, but I don't also don't know how it's like, how do you connect um, without, I mean, it's been a good problem to kind of troubleshoot, but yeah. Even that, it's just, it's just really, really narrow, like what ministry looks like. Yeah. We've learned a lot and what our folks need, even I think through college students right now, you know, some of them actually connect more than they ever had been because they're in need of that community. You know, when they had it all over the place, they were like, ah, oh, you know, I'll, I may go to church. I may, whatever. But when they don't have it, they're like, I know they're meeting, whether it be virtual or not, I know they're meeting. And so you just know that there's the pursuit of that. I mean, we learned a lot about technology. We learned a lot about how we can and can't use it. We also learned that technology is not the answer, that our society always kind of like steps towards, oh, if we get this tech or if we can do this, like then we'll arrive. And now if we realize that that's not going to fix our problems, it's not going to fix a lot. We need human interaction. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good reminder of, you know, we live in such grandma over here we live in such like a digital age and like genuinely I love technology it's convenient it's helpful and you know it comes with its own slew of cons too but I think what I'm realizing just in the age of COVID and right now like it just doesn't cut it in the ways that being with someone fills you know and I think I don't know not to get over spiritual or whatever but like that is really how the Lord has designed us and so whether you're someone who doesn't like to be around big crowds, you still have that one person who you get with regularly, or like you do love being around big crowds. 
seeing and talking to someone over Zoom or FaceTime, that's great for a time, but that's not how the Lord has designed us to be filled, you know? And I think that's, for me, what's been hardest with youth group is we are all in this place of like, we need to be mentally checking in or like checking in with our students and even each other and how we're feeling emotionally and mentally. But then you're restricted because you can't get with people, especially if someone's not feeling comfortable or you yourself don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then I get overwhelmed by that. So I'm like, well, I guess that we're just never going to get together. Like, because I think I operate so relationally. I'm trying to figure out where we do that well. Yeah. Another thing, though, so that's been the challenge of it. But what has surprised you in this moment that's given you kind of a glimpse of hope of, hey, this is something I completely didn't expect, but has given me a good kind of window into what the future is going to look like, whether we're in a pandemic or not, you know, or whether we're post new normal, <laughs> post pandemic kind of weirdness. What has surprised you? What is exciting you? So something that we've implemented recently is just kind of having a little bit more of a contemplative aspect to our weekly programming. So having times of prayer and scripture reading, and just in general, everyone has kind of had to learn to slow down and check in and learn what they're experiencing right now, but then also to listen as well, which has been a really, really awesome experience to, for our students to begin to learn those practices of what it means to be still and know that the Lord is there in the moment right now. Yeah, I think it's been so, at least for me, like it's been so important because I don't know how to be in the quiet. <laughs> like, like I'm like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Like, you know, spaz central, superpower, right? <laughs> and so yeah, even being able to sit in that as like Taylor has led that too with our students and realizing like, actually, this is a really sweet practice that the Lord gives us. And to be able to sit in the stillness and in the quiet of it. And that's really hard. But it's also, I don't know if rewarding is the right word. I don't know. There's just something really precious about those moments. I think that that has been just a really sweet gift that God has given in this. Yeah, I would kind of tag onto that too. You know, in, in broader like American church culture, there's been this move, and I think we're moving away from it, but you know, there's been this kind of like entertainment factor with church stuff. And it's like, how entertaining can we be? And that's how we're going to draw people in almost kind of this downplaying the efficacy of just simple spiritual practices and how we actually are wired to need those. And, you know, we're such an entertainment saturated culture and all that, that we, like, we need to be entertained, you know, that's a overuse that word. But I think it's been a good reminder to me because I even struggle with that too. It's like, ah, the kids aren't going to want to do that. You know, that's not something cool. There's nothing digital about that or whatever, but it's been neat. Just, I mean, it's not like we've had, you know, 30 kids show up to a contemplative prayer service thing. But the ones that do come, it's been really neat to engage with them and actually kind of check in at the end and say like, hey, how, how did you feel about this time? What was this thing for you? And to hear like, I didn't really know this about prayer. I didn't know this about this thing. Or like to do a Bible study and just, hey, here's what it looks like to actually dive in deep and for them to participate. And it's not earth shattering, you know, but it's just kind of that reminder that these are the things that are timeless and, you know, kind of almost be thrown in this place of having this idol of entertainment very few churches look great online. Like it just is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try as hard as you want, best audio engineering, best video, everything. And you know, if you're not working with 
you know, bajillion dollar budget and whole camera crew that's professionally trained, it's just not gonna look or feel the same. Like it's just not gonna be the same. So there's just yeah. kind of this reminder. We, you know, I think Cole, what you said is right. Like we can't keep moving in this way of technology necessarily. Not that's bad, but you know, there's something that's really sweet about being together and you know, and, and these other things that are that are true regardless of what medium they come through. You know, whether we're doing a prayer thing over Zoom or we're in person or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's like that thing is such a piece of our makeup that we just we crave it and need it. I'm looking at my shelf right now of how many books that I had that were like the elimination of hurry or all these different things that are happening and uh it's just interesting yeah. how you've, you've kind of been forced <laughs> into yeah. not hurrying anymore uh it's been difficult i feel like there's a withdrawal in it yeah okay well one of our questions is like what was your last google search that would tell us about you or if you could just think of something like this describes me this is me do you have anything that you would want to share with us a lot of my Google searches, I tell Matt and Taylor this all the time, is what does such and such mean? <laughs> what does this word mean? What does that word mean? <laughs> I feel like Google has really missed the mark on my timeline sponsoring like the dictionary or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's the first time I think I've seen the internet like fail in that way. So <laughs> it's okay, guys, if you don't know what a lot of words mean. <laughs> Yeah, Belling is a real deal on that on Google. Yeah. For me, this probably isn't much of a surprise for anyone that knows me pretty well, but I love cats and I love YouTube. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a cat in my lap right now. But one of my most favorite viral videos, like maybe within the past like two or three years, has been the Zoom cat lawyer meme. <laughs> where there's these lawyers that are litigating over Zoom and one of the lawyers accidentally has a filter that makes him look like a cat and uh, he is... I'm not a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not a cat. And he's kind of frantically trying to figure out how to undo it. So it kind of just encapsulates my love of cats and internet culture. And actually, the guy himself took it like a champ and was actually really glad that he was able to bring joy to everyone in the midst of that. My favorite thing, he was, he was like totally legit with just going forward with it. He was just, <laughs> we'll just go through the rest of the litigations with me as a cat. I don't care. <laughs> you know what? That kind of confidence is goals right there, okay? <laughs> he was like, I'm going to win this either way. So He's like, sorry, judge, but I think that you actually can take me more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> for me i uh love philosophy and derive great pleasure from turning any conversation with my kids or my wife into a philosophical argument <laughs> do they love that it is so much fun though it's almost like telling dad jokes because it gets really lame and they're all just like all right dad we get it Taylor, if you were Matt, I would say, we get it, we're smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Taylor, you're making us look bad. Ari's like, I don't understand what words mean. And I'm like, I like cat videos. And you're, <laughs> you're being all like hoity-toity. Hey, I love philosophy. I like philosophy. Taylor's like, I read 46 books a day. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I don't, actually. I mostly watch Netflix. <laughs> Documentaries, though. If That's you're... Absolutely. That's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Only documentaries. <laughs> uh, 
So I know Matt, you're from Illinois originally. Uh, I'm from St. Louis. Eh, whatever. You sure? a, little, a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I'll say Illinois. Just make it spice it up a little bit. <laughs> Ari is from Cali, which is nice. And Taylor, you're from you're from, yeah. yeah, you're from here. And then you spent some time in Oklahoma, but that was college, so right. So um okay, Matt, you're from here, cool. And then Taylor, you're from here. What's your favorite thing about St. Louis? And that's your question. Ari, your question is, what thing now has been your favorite thing in St. Louis since moving here? And do you like Emo's Pizza? That's a twofold question. Oh, man. Could I lose my job over that second one? <laughs> We've already had a debate over this, and it wasn't positive. <laughs> uh, I think... And this is going to sound so basic. I think my favorite thing about St. Louis really is the fall. Okay, so I lived in the high desert. People assume that if I say I'm from California, I'm from San Diego. That is not true. I lived in, we literally called it the Antelope Valley slash the high desert. It was, mm, I want to be careful in how I use my, my language on here. Basically, it wasn't nice, the nice part of California. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving to St. Louis, I remember driving in and going, oh my gosh, things are so green. Look at all these green trees. <laughs> things are alive. Yeah, whoa, there's no tumbleweeds running through here. Like, that's crazy. I'm always amazed at how vibrant the colors are when fall comes. It's like I'm seeing it for the first time every year, which is really cool. And then I thoroughly enjoy the winter and the snow. I have been sad that we haven't gotten a big enough snow to go sledding down Art Hill just yet. But yeah, those are my really my favorite things of St. Louis. Um, Emo's Pizza, please don't fire me. I enjoy my job. Uh, I don't enjoy Emo's Pizza. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry. Uh, Taylor, what you, what's your... My favorite thing about St. Louis is Emo's Pizza. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, And Ari's resignation. <laughs> it's been fun, Taylor. <laughs> no, my, uh, this, it's a little cliche, but my favorite thing about St. Louis is actually Forest Park. I, uh, I love, I spend a lot of time there. We live very close to there. And when I was a kid, I lived like further out. And so any trip to the zoo or forest park was like a, there was like a Saturday thing that, that we did. And so my wife and I both said how much we love that. Like, that's just kind of a part of our lives now. Like it's just a regular thing that we do. And I, I mean, it's been that way for 12 years now and it hasn't gotten old. So nice. I just really love that park a lot. I know people will say tower Grove and it's pretty, but I just love forest park. Forest park is pretty. Well, I like the food trucks in Tower Grove. Like that was the that, first Friday. I mean, yeah. was before pandemic. So I don't know what that means. That, but that is pretty sweet. Yeah. <clears throat> but you, Matt, what's one thing that you're like? This is the best. You've probably answered this in every one of them. So you gotta get new something new. No, I haven't answered this because this is actually part of my team right now. So ah. yes, so far Forest Park is definite. Uh, see, I almost said Forest Park, like the same about St. Louis is how we totally mess up every single word. Most exactly. mostly ours. You're like wash you. And yeah. The farty farm, like what is that? Yeah, that's very confusing to me. I mean, I'm southern, so it's all like, hey y'all, what's up? Like <laughs> <laughs> like 40 40 forward not it man not it so uh forest park 
I mean, like everyone has said that it, it definitely makes sense. And it's literally my backyard. I go running in there. I'm like, flex lit- on us, geez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally like a quarter of a mile away from the science center. So of course I have to say that, but St. Louis is so great because in some ways it kind of is the ultimate hipster city because you kind of do need to know all the ins and outs, all the really cool areas. We're not the fake hipsters that like love flannel. If you want to have fun in St. Louis, you need to learn all of the cool things. And once you do learn those cool things, they're really cool. I mean, like I live in the Grove and I love finding all these cool restaurants that just aren't going to be super popular originally, but then like when they do become popular, I'm like, hey, have you checked out uh, Beast Barbecue? Like, it's pretty cool. So it's actually a very personable city and you become really attached to businesses and people and and, and all those things. So I'm going to say it first, St. Louis is a better hipster city than Portland or Austin or any of those other places. Damn. I've been to either one of them. So sure, St. Louis wins. <laughs> but Beast is legit. I mean, they have a butcher. They have like a whole side of where they, yeah, I don't know. I, I love Beast Barbecue. Anyway. So when they say like, hey, why is it taking so long? Are they killing the cow back there? They actually could be killed. I mean, I hope not. I mean, that would be very traumatic for everybody. You just hear that in the middle of the eating? No, I, I'm sure it's just shipped in and then they butcher from there. So. As a former butcher, apprentice butcher. Uh, I just love hearing uh, your guys' like past jobs. <laughs> so yeah, mine's a little confusing because it goes from apprentice butcher to I worked at a zoo once to Chuck E. Cheese to <laughs> I was a bus boy for a long time. I guess hey, just let me hit you with this. I used to be a grave digger. I'm just gonna okay. leave it at that. Oh. <laughs> well, that's all we have for no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for the time we got left, I want to ask you questions about uh, specifically ministry. We've talked a little bit about different stuff in regards to like where we've been in the pandemic, kind of some things that we've learned. But, you know, I, I think for some folks that might be listening to this, they kind of envision themselves as a young kid or themselves as a high schooler and trying to figure out. And then they're going, wait, it seems so different. So I'm curious, it was a good glimpse into the students' lives right now that we see. It gives us kind of a good vision of the students we have at our church, because I think one of the coolest things about this podcast and one of the coolest things about the church is that we're a family. And sometimes we don't know people in our family well enough. Uh, we, we're a fairly large family in that way. So 700 of your closest friends. And so I'll be curious, just like what is kind of like a typical kind of student life right now? What are their experiences? What are they going through? And maybe even how can our folks who are listening to this pray for and think about our kids? I'll let Bat and Ari speak a little bit more specifically to our students because I'm still getting to know them. But I'll say two things. One, I'm incredibly impressed with how well I feel like kids have adapted to this life. I mean, not wanting to overlook the kind of the hard part of it, too, is that being isolated and being at home, there's been a rise in mental health issues amongst kids. And it's been really sad to see that. 
it's like I don't I don't know that we as a culture necessarily really understand how important that is. You know, I kind of think it's just kind of part of it. It's just part of this time that we're in, unfortunately. But it's been good to see kind of just the resilience. And I'm excited to see in like five or 10 years, looking back on this time, how this has actually shaped these students as they become adults and they start having families. You know, you talk about like the greatest generation or whatever. And usually when I think about that, I'm thinking about like super old people who aren't even really alive anymore. But remembering that at one point they were also teenagers and they went through a lot of this stuff as well and it shaped them. So that part kind of excites me. Um, yeah, like a like a forced resiliency to some extent. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes it just codifies. Like it's just, it becomes, this is who we need to be, even in the midst of the struggle, right? Even in the midst yeah. of the mental health concerns and conversations, and uh, at least we're talking about them. Like they're not hiding them this time, you know? It's very interesting. So there is this deep resilience that I think this generation, especially of younger folks, will embody later. Uh, even when some of the critique of them is they're not resilient. And I'm like, actually, they're going to, you're going to see it. It's going to be fruit out of mayhem. <laughs> <Does that make>? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I think about with our students, where they're at is just developmentally and in general, like they are arguably the most relational group inside our church. So they're both learning who they are and who they are around other people. And it's really good to be relational, but there's actually a huge formational aspect of that. They're learning who's safe, who's not safe, and what ideas are safe and are not safe. So they're definitely learning that through their peers. But I mean, studies show again and again that actually just like family dynamics and just relationships with other adults are equally, if not more important with our students and how they're being formed. Specifically, if they're feeling uh, warmth and joy in the midst of that. At one point, I heard someone say that middle schoolers tend to be like puppies. They're always asking questions like, is this person going to like me? And then whenever they do find that someone is going to like them, they get really excited. And then high schoolers are like cats. They're like, do I like this person? Does this person share the same values of me? And whenever they do learn that, then they do really latch onto that person and actually intensifies their love of the same things that other people do. So I think one of the roughest challenges is just seeing people regularly and uh, understanding that formational aspect of it and just really small things like cards and phone calls and times with just playing video games, you know, those seem really small or insignificant, but that's actually playing a huge formational aspect in these kids' lives and not just socially, but spiritually as well. Yeah, I have such mad respect for you guys for being teens in today's world. Being a teen at any time is really hard. And then adding on everything that's going on with social media or everything that comes along with that. And then <laughs> learning via Zoom, that is just a whole other beast. And so my respect for our students has just really gone up so much more because they're still doing what they need to do and some, which I think needs to be said. Our students deserve more respect. God has created them to also be influential. And I think it's important enough that the Bible talks about not being like shown away because you're young. 
you know, and seeing them really does speak to that. I have been so impressed with our students, not because they're just checking things off, but because of the ways that they're doing it and even the ways in which they are showing it. We are resilient and there is beauty in that, you know? Yeah. So I was thinking about this question while you guys were talking. You know, I, I did youth ministry for a number of years as well. One of the things I found working early on in youth ministry was as a newly married guy who didn't have children yet. I had a dog, but that didn't count. And I didn't really understand what parents go through, right? I kind of had the theories of it, right? And as a parent now, you know, fast forward some years, even with my five-year-old, I'm asking these really hard questions now of like, okay, who's he going to be? How can I help him develop well? All these things. And at some point, I'm going to be asking you guys to help me with that as well. I am curious for the parents who will be listening to this, what is like one thing you can encourage them right now for their kid? Like and go, hey, look at this and, and look into doing this and practice this with your kids in this moment. Now, we're not trying to fix them or anything like that necessarily and not trying to say we parent better than anyone else. But what we're saying is, uh, what is one thing that you know about your kid that they may not know that they can enter in and love well for their kids in this moment? Uh, as someone who's not a parent, <laughs> I <laughs> very, you know, cautious in saying this. I know that probably one of the most meaningful things, I mean, and this continues into adulthood, is like the gift of being pursued. Um, there are obviously times where you and your student know right now we are not getting along or maybe you're getting along great and that's fantastic. But like continuing to pursue your student, especially now, I think is just so important. And if one way is not working, try another way. And if that way is not working, try another way. And it's not for any reason, like your kid's going to come back in 20 years and be like, thank you for continuing to pursue me. Like you don't do it for that reason. But <laughs> don't expect that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I have dreams of our students coming back and doing that. But really like, I think our God has put this desire in us to be known. And that's why our relationship with the Lord, when you really know what the gospel is and what he did for us, it's because God knows us better than anybody. And when your parent is doing that and saying like, I might not even be doing this right, but like, I want to know you and I want to love what you love and be interested in what interests you. I think that speaks and says more about how you value them than yeah. just trying to get them to say like, Hey, I'm still around. I don't know, parent, but no, I think that's great. I was actually on a call earlier with a group of folks, you know, we're at the end of the meeting and somebody had to take the notes and, you know, they're like, you're going to turn those in today. And she goes, no, I'm going to be completely unreachable for the next 24 hours. She goes, cause my 19 year old's home and it's her birthday. And I'm so excited to celebrate it with her. So like, there's going to be nothing that can tear me away from that. I was getting emotional because I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know yeah. I, I don't know if I'm doing that right now. <laughs> Man, I got to step it up. Uh, it was beautiful because I know, you know, even working with the college students I'm working with, they're finding a surprising connection at home. They didn't expect to love, like they want to be home. I mean, I had one student who was frustrated that she had to come back to campus Cause she was like, I just, I, I just missed my mom. And I'm like, Oh, you weren't saying that last year. Yeah, You weren't. 
and now like you've seen the beauty of of community and relationship and it takes on different stages right each stage is very different yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like that will smith song you know parents just don't understand <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys are hitting the nail right in the head I think that, you know, this parent-child relationship, it doesn't feel natural, but the way that God has created these relationships, there's this real organic thing that happens. And whatever a child feels that they are cared for and loved, all of the things that that parent feels and cares for are just naturally going to be part of that kid's life. Those kids are also going to value those things if they know that they're cared for so yeah just feeling that warmth and just being attentive to those lives so just being curious asking a lot of questions and uh, sometimes they'll stonewall you sometimes they'll roll your eyes but they actually do really want to be known by you yeah yeah i want to add something real quick i think that while we have it is more than appropriate and is expected of us that for parents to have expectations while the Lord does that for us, he also meets us where we are. And so I think that that is the beauty of being a voice in your own kid's life of trying to figure out like, yes, we have expectations and like, where do I meet my kid? How do they communicate? Because it might be a lot different than what makes me comfortable in communication. But I think that's just kind of going off of maybe something that Matt said. Yeah, I will answer this from both sides, both as a parent of a teen and as a youth director. One of the things that my wife and I have tried to do, not always well, because we can absolutely be control freaks. Um, and I mean, I said I like to, I like philosophy, and I really enjoy arguing with people about stuff. I can do that and drive people nuts. But um, one of the things that we've really tried to do is, um, is essentially just kind of keep the conversation open with our kids. I want my kids to embrace their faith for themselves. And that means that it might take on other expressions. Like it, it may, it, it may mean that they become Baptist or something. I don't know. Or you know, they, for a time, they may even walk away. You know, I want that conversation to be open and safe so they can always come back and know that we can talk through things. I'm not, not going to sugarcoat it and tell you that if you chose a wholly different lifestyle completely, that I'm going to be behind you and support you in that choice, uh, but I am going to love you and I'm going to be available and, and be around to, um, to talk with you. And, and I think too, in that way, I know from my own story, just knowing that faith is a journey and that I've done most of my actual growing in my faith since I left the house. And so the idea that like, I want you to leave the house and go to college with everything all buttoned up, ready to go. I think it might be borderline idolatry actually. And I think that so much of life happens after that. I mean, some of the biggest things that happened to me that have really cemented what I believe about God and, and how he's met me in a very personal way have come within my marriage, within my relationship with my kids, with the other different places of suffering and, and difficulty. And if I hadn't had a safe place to go in the midst of that, don't know that I'd actually be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. I think that's important. And then I think the other thing that I would say too, more kind of from the youth leader standpoint is we live in a very isolationist kind of culture, individualist culture. And that's not necessarily bad, but it just is true. And my wife and I are, we're in this, like we, 
we want to raise our kids in the way that we want to raise our kids. Um, I get nervous about other people's input because then I'm afraid that reflects poorly on me as a parent. But I, I think it's important and good for us to let go of that and understand that other adults in our kids' lives is a good thing, right? So there are things that Ari and Matt are going to tell my kids that I've told them, and they're not going to listen when I say it, but they're going to listen when Matt and Ari say it. We're partners in this together, and we all want the same thing. We want our kids, we want all these students to embrace the Lord with their lives in whatever shape that takes. If that takes them to the jungles of Africa, or if it's, you know, a lawyer downtown, or if it's stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad or whatever it is, whatever they're doing, they're doing it embracing the Lord with their own faith as opposed to just regurgitating something or doing it out of a sense of familial obligation or something like that. Well, there was like 10 other things we needed to talk about. So we're (laughs) going to have to do a part two at some point, no doubt. But I do want to leave with kind of a a mixture of, of a question to some extent. This year, well, we have a, a mission and vision statement. We also have an annual mission and vision. So like, what are we trying to do this year? And, and part of that is uh, intentional discipleship and evangelism. And that's going to look a bunch of different ways in different divisions and different areas of our church. And so the last kind of final question I have is, what are you most excited about to implement this year? What is something that you're looking forward to pursuing, caring and loving uh, our students even in this weird time, right? You know, shepherding them while in this weird time to maybe a less of a weird time. You know, I mean, being a teenager is weird in and of itself. It's, everything's just a different weird. But what are some things that you're really excited about coming up that may be in line with the mission and vision? Or what are some things you're really excited about pursuing this year? I think student ownership, you know, of the ministry in a sense, like giving them a lot of places to really be in charge of what's going on kind of allowing them to have a voice and to just be really involved from music we play to the games we play to, um, you know, sharing their stories with each other through different things. You know, I think that kind of giving, you know, even older students the ability to kind of disciple some of the younger students in that way. For me, that's kind of, I feel like that's one of the things that we've been working on a lot. And I feel most excited about kind of seeing as we've sort of kicked these ideas out to the students a bit, it's taking a little bit of encouraging, I think, in some regard, but to see them kind of get excited or embrace it even just a little bit has been pretty cool to see. So I'm excited to see that happen more and more. I agree with Taylor. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Good job. But I would also, the, the will plus one is that they would really experience joy in the midst of that. And that's what we're trying to highlight for the rest of the year that uh, serving and worshiping and being a community is a huge source of joy that we really need. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have maybe gotten, this is going to sound weird, but like an advantage in COVID in the sense of because we're all longing for community again, regular community. I think that kind of gives us uh, like a foot in the door affirming, yeah, this community is important. Not in a like, so come to youth group (laughs) kind of way, but you know, how do we as different generations and as your leaders and even the other people who are your leaders who are older than us, how do we be in community together and really experience the joy of the Lord? Because we're all walking alongside each other in this, right? Like, and learning who God is, you could be 80. And that's the beauty of 
of who God is, we're always continuing to learn that. And so I guess in this season, I'm really excited about being able to walk alongside our kids and just even see like what this season produces. You know, I'm excited to look, you know, kind of as we go, you know, this whole podcast growing together is this concept of how do we, as this massive family grow together. And there seems to be so many divides between us, whether generational or whatever. And, uh, I'm looking forward to us figuring out how to break down some of those and actually grow together with one another. Uh, and how do we integrate students better into the life of the church that there's no arrival point, but you're just a here, like you're a part of the church and you know, that goes for anyone. And so I'm excited for that. Well, YouTube channels coming soon, right? It's on its way. It, it oh, may... it's here. Oh, it's here. It's here. I saw the video the other day. I saw it before everybody else sneak peek. So, um, so uh, go check that out. What is it? What is it called? Student ministry. What, how do, what's the title? <laughs> it actually probably would be good if I knew the name of it. Uh, I think it's. Uh, well, I also was like, uh, I didn't know. <laughs> we can edit this part out. Right here. That doesn't have a name. Yeah, wait, wait, let me, I, it's, uh, is it, uh, I'm pulling it up right now, and yes, we definitely need to edit well, this, this part out. this is really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, uh, okay. No shame, guys, just let it be, this is it. It is <laughs> Central Prez Students. Central um, Prez Students, there yeah, you go, yeah. you, you heard it first here. <laughs> yeah, we heard it first. After a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is new to all of us today. <laughs> After a Google. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Well, yeah, this has been great. I'm thankful that we got to get together and there'll be probably plenty more of these. And I'm thankful for the work y'all do with our students and I'm thankful for uh, your perseverance uh, in the midst of where we're at. Uh, anybody who we've talked to, I mean, thinking of the early childhood and kids and all of that, like figuring out how to connect with families. I mean, it's it's difficult. And, you know, I know our family has been grateful for the work that the Family Ministries Division has been doing, and I know that many others are as well. And so, so it's good to have you on the podcast, and uh, we'll do it again soon. So, you know, the ending here is just, I'll see you later, I guess. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming. Uh, paid advertisements and all. Anyways, all right, we'll see you guys next time. All right, see you. Bye. Thanks for being with us today. It's good to be together. If you want to find out more about Central Prez, uh, please go to our website at centralprez.com or find us on all the social media things with the handle at CPCSTL. Join us next time as we continue to learn and grow together uh, into the family of God. Blessings, friends.